Maybe you've heard of Slack, but what is it? Slack is your new HQ. One place for everyone at your company to find answers, share updates, and stay caught up. Slack, where work happens. Get started at slack.com. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job's not just to entertain and educate, but really try to put this thing in context. So call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me, at Jim Kramer. Right, what the heck does it take for a stock to rally in this hideous environment? And is it even worth the effort to try to find a needle in a haystack on a day like today? The Dow tumbled another 1,033 points. <laughs> S&P sank 3.75%. NASDAQ knows diving 3.9%. In all honesty, what does it take? Should we look? The answer is no. No, at least for the moment. There are far too few winners, and the circumstances behind their moves are so hard to predict that it's simply not worth the hunt. Not, ha- not right now. You have to be content with buying the stocks of the companies you like that have hit attractive levels, even if you end up having to buy more lower later betting that one day the madness ends. But with this nauseating wildness, it's often a better idea, and this is what my advice to you is, just to sit on your hands. Because after yesterday's late afternoon reversal and today's meager attempts to rally, we know that any move higher for the moment will prove to be ephemeral. For the moment, which is why I don't want you to sell everything. Look, I'm not trying to be a defeatist here. It's just that sometimes the truth hurts, and right now the truth can be downright agonizing. First, let me, let me do this. Let me clear up the real culprit behind today's shellacking. I heard all day that stocks are going down because of weakness in the bond market. It's producing higher interest rates. This is false. Bonds may have set off the decline last week, but they barely budged today. Wrong suspect. I know plenty of people would love to blame the sell-off on Washington. We got used to that for a while, right? The government has to have massive bond sales so it can pay its bills. That's in people's heads. So is the prospect of a government shutdown. But we've seen this kind of thing many times before, and it's never caused a 10% decline from peak to trough in a matter of days. Never. Washington is not guilty, at least not of this. There were no big earnings reports last night or this morning, and most of the ones we did get were resoundingly positive. Yet even strong earnings couldn't stop many of these stocks from going lower. No, the real culprit behind today's decline is the same miscreant that's weighed us down for the last couple of days. The unspooling of these obscure products that allowed, frankly, I have to be plain spoken, that's how you know I am, idiotic money managers and neophyte investors to bet against what's known as volatility, or shorthand, vol. They always think they're so cool, vol. Last year, this bet made you very good money because the market was incredibly placid. So the volatility index, you know, we call it the VIX for short, seemed like a great short, right? Seemed worth betting against. Now we've got volatility in spades, though. And it's the last thing you want to bet against, the last thing. But people did it, and they keep doing it. The other day, the collapse of just one of these instruments caused a horrendous decline in the average, what I call the Pats crash, where the Dow lost about a percent in the time it would take to get up from your desk and grab a Diet Pepsi or turn on the TV to watch the Eagles victory parade in the hero-starved town of my birth, Philadelphia, which I didn't get to watch because of this lunacy. Today's decline was rooted in similar instruments. 
And if you stick around, I'll actually give you the code. I'm going to give you the names of the instruments and the symbols so you can monitor how this trade is playing out and sense when the destruction is coming to an end right at home. Why do we care? Because in each case, the losers most likely had to raise cash. The losers of this VIX trade raise cash by selling stocks and stock futures to meet their margin calls or handle the requests by their investors who are dumbfounded for their money back. That's the pressure. That's the collateral damage that is hurting your stocks and crushing your nest egg. The spillover is so great that it's weighing down even the best of the best of stocks with the best numbers and the best prospects. Hence why I said it's a needle in a haystack to find winners at this moment. Here's the really bad news, though. I counted 17 of these darn things, these creations by various brokers and managers to let you make a leverage bet against the VIX. And now they're all imploding. Now, it's not as though we haven't seen this kind of thing before. I swear some of these dopes never learn. The current situation is like a similar version of what happened in 2008 after hedge funds levered up borrowed money to bet on mortgage-backed bonds, thinking they were getting a sleeping dog. But it turned out what they really got was a gigantic mama bear, and they got between her and the cubs. Back then, I used to call it hedge funds gone wild. When you would lose a fortune with borrowed money, borrowed money that you need to pay your broker back on. And that leads to forced selling in the stock market, because how else are these guys going to raise that kind of money? That's what you're seeing on your screen, the forced selling as they raise money. The fact that these bets are largely hidden from us and these instruments are like cockroaches, there's never just one blowing up, tells you that we're in for some more real pain here. Oh, I wish it weren't the case. I'd love to tell you, hey, listen, man, it's going to clear up tomorrow. But you know me, I can't do that. I've been doing a show for almost 13 years. Have I ever done that for you? So when will it be safe to pick at stocks aggressively? There's an answer. When enough of the managers who use this strategy are beaten and they surrender their assets, they need to be wiped out. We want them wiped out. The problem, of course, is that we don't know when they'll be wiped out. So we're all being held hostage at the mercy of these clowns who seem to be creating their very own personal bear market the rest rest of us are trapped in. Let's just say you have to expect more crazy volatility until these morons break. A lot of the people who recently came into the market simply can't handle this kind of environment. Hey, there is no shame about that. There is no shame. It's simply human nature. But their hasty exit is only compounding the panic that we're seeing. So what can protect a stock from hedge funds gone wild? Oh, the list is very small. Let's go over what won't first. Big dividends won't help. The market's going down all at once. So yield is very little and no protection. How about valuation? We often hear about that. Ooh, stocks are cheap. Wait a second. Stocks can always get cheaper than they are today if there's another sell-off tomorrow that's from forced moron sellers. Not a defense. Valuation. Buybacks don't matter. They don't matter at all right now because they simply aren't big enough to sop up all this forced selling that's going on. Plus, companies aren't allowed to repurchase stock after 3.45 p.m. Government doesn't want them setting their own prices at the close. Hence, did you ever see how bad it is from 3.45 to 4? There's nobody down there bidding like the companies. And, of course, the sellers realize, holy cow, they have to put up money at the end of the day. Better sell now. Better than having to sell tomorrow into a similar tsunami. So what did work today? What does it leave? Well, it's narrow. 
only ridiculously, incredibly fabulous upside surprises, ones that would take your breath away. Twitter stock exploded higher because it reported real profits, tremendous growth. The stock of Grubhub, yes, seamless in New York, jumped gigantically because it reported an amazing quarter and got itself a new investor, Yum Brands, 200 mil. The gains were exaggerated because 20% of Grub has been sold short because most people thought there was nothing special about a restaurant delivery system. Hey, they're like messengers. Well, the shorts were wrong. The short squeeze propelled Grubhub into the stratosphere. Finally, there is NVIDIA. I wanted to be lighthearted and talk about NVIDIA, my dog, but we're not lighthearted when we lose this kind of money, are we? Now, NVIDIA reported after the close, and it was, it was, it was down hard all day today because of this nonsense I'm describing. But this stock managed to rally in the aftermarket because the quarter was that fantastic, and I've had a good hard look at it. It was great. If we get a huge down opening tomorrow, which is certainly likely because of what I described. And NVIDIA, the stock goes lower, it might be worth buying. But if it's up big, though, you stay away. It will most likely be pulled down. Don't chase a thing in this market. That's a fool's earn. Here's the bottom line. We've seen this movie in bear markets before. When the market breaks down like this, the culprit is for selling. It always is, people. It's behind the scenes. I work in the margin department at Goldman. I have seen what the clerks do. This time it's caused by the breakdown of these leveraged bets against volatility. And it won't stop until the bets are unwound. We don't know when things will get placid again, but until these traders get wiped out, finding winning stocks will be like finding a needle in a haystack. That's why I say you want to identify high-quality companies and use the weakness to scale into them gradually on the way down, betting that the VIX minus will end at some point and then... But the key is that you need to leave room to buy more at lower levels, as we're doing for my charitable trust. Because where this thing stops, nobody knows. Although, if you stick with me in this show, I'll give you the best clues I know, at least to try to find out. Let's go to Jeff in New Jersey, please. Jeff. Hi, Jim. This is Jeff. Thank you for having me. Of course. This is a two-part question. So I've been buying Home Depot stock now for about 10 years since it was around $20 a share. Well, that's stock smart. has done great. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. And I'm just wondering if I should continue buying and holding this in my portfolio or not. Well, look, we're um, going to view this market in two ways. If you need that money and you need that money in the next three months, look, I got to tell you, maybe you take some off the table. I know you hate to pay the tax man, so do I. But Home Depot is a great company, and none of what's happening in the stock market has anything to do with Home Depot. My wife and I were lining up the spring planning season. We said we're going to go April 14th to Home Depot to get our flats. You think I'm going to change my mind because some VIX trader is knocking down the market? It ain't like that. Home Depot's good. I don't want you to do anything other than when it gets to 170, buy more, unless, again, you need that money now. Joe in New York. Joe. Hey, Jim. How are you? Booyah. Booyah, man. What's going on? My question is about WWE. So recently they reported their highest revenue for 2017. Right. And with the recent changes in management, the announcement of the XFL, their WWE Network, and this 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw, which is a milestone. Right. That Barclays was a big hit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was there. It was awesome. Nice. What does it mean for their stock, and is it the right time to buy? Well, Tell look, there is no right time to buy right now, and uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to have a whole show devoted to what would be the right time. But you know what? Here's how we're going to look at WWE. Once again, 
wild fans all over the globe not going to stop going or watching because of a couple of errant trades that have been going on with a few hedge funds. My take is this. Hold on to it. If it goes down 10%, buy, buy, buy. And then wait, and we'll buy some more lower. It could happen, sitting in your hands otherwise. Down and down she goes. Where she stops, well, I got some ideas. Until the mechanical madness ends, though, until the instruments calm down, I want you to use the weakness to scale wide scales, we call them, into high-quality stocks, but no hurry. Well, man, tonight, the Dow just dropped 1,000 points for the second time this week. When the heck will this sell-off cease? And what's really behind the decline? We're going to try. We're going to try to give you some answers. Then the market's been all over the place the past few days. I know you got a lot of questions. I'm going to open up the phone lines to talk out in a very special strategy session because you know that panic never made anybody a dime. And after the 1,000-point drop today, it's clear we're in a bitter adjustment period. Is that a euphemism? Yeah. I'm revealing how we got here. Stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. So how will all this end? The craziness. When will we be able to enjoy the fruits of good stock picking? Where fabulous quarters like the one we just got from NVIDIA today, the semiconductor company, will be rewarded and with sharply higher prices? Or will we have to always have one eye on the exit door, no matter how good the numbers are? And for NVIDIA's case, they were spectacular. Are you coming to the right place? Because I am about to reveal the instruments that are making it so NVIDIA isn't up 30 tonight. And so many of your stocks are already looking down big in tomorrow's session. First, understand that I only know this stuff because I traded stocks for years and years and years. And I've had to put pretty much the sum total of all my thinking caps on this one because it is real hard to find out and in many ways even more difficult to explain. But we're going to try it here. First, there are four instruments. I keep using the sort of instruments. These are things that trade. Four instruments that I am watching to figure out when this portion of the stock market nightmare is over. They are all a mouthful. But you know what? I owe you the whole truth and nothing but the truth, even if you actually need a rocket scientist to figure some of this out. So let's start with the concept of the fix, which we've talked about many times in the off-the-chart segments on Tuesday. This is a gauge that is calculated all day that measures volatility or how much up and down craziness there is in the market. Some people call it the fear gauge because it does tend to measure the level of panic people have about stocks. We've called it the fear gauge on the show. For the longest time, there hasn't been much craziness or anything to fear for that matter. We've been pretty much in a straight line, consistent line, not a stair step even, just up. That has meant there has been extremely low volatility, record low volatility. Never seen this stuff before. I called a fantasy island last night. Now, on Wall Street, there's a sense that everything can be traded on. It's an addiction, people. It's a trading addiction. You know, we used to joke when I was at Goldman Sachs that somebody would create an instrument that would allow you to trade and bet on raindrop races on windows. That's how bad the addiction is on Wall Street. 
So it was a natural that brokers created securities that allow you to bet on whether there's going to be a lot of volatility or little. Not just up and down stocks, not just up and down bonds, not just up and down commodities, but up and down the actual notion of vol or volatility. Again, if there's a lot of fear and a lot of panic, then you want to own volatility. They actually call that own like it's an asset. Think of it as an asset you want to buy or sell. I'm not kidding. I can't make it up. If there isn't a lot of volatility, then you want to sell or short volatility. Remember, they will trade anything on Wall Street, including fear. Now, it isn't enough sometimes on Wall Street to just own volatility or bet against volatility. Brokerages know that people crave real juice, particularly hedge fund managers. So they invented stocks that allow you to get twice the gain of the VIX on a given day or get twice the loss of the VIX if it goes down on a given day if you want to bet the downside on fear. These instruments are the proximate cause of the madness you are now seeing. Yes, these instruments. Consider them a nuclear blast zone, and the fallout is raining on the S&P 500, causing radiation sickness that's threatening to take down the entire market, even much further than it has if things are not, let's just say, uh, calm. The instruments I keep referring to are actually funds. Yes, actual funds that track futures that trade on the direction of the VIX in their own ridiculous way. Well, it's stripped of Wall Street. Why don't we just call them wager funds? You know, like pari mutual wagering when you go to the track. Some of this stuff is like the daily double. You know, you get a cigar out, you smoke, you lose some money. It's your money. The first wager fund is called the ProShares Ultra VIX Short-Term Futures. It's an ETF which seeks on a daily basis to provide investment results that correspond to twice the performance of the S&P 500 VIX Short-Term Futures Index. The symbol this goes by, write it down, please, UVXY. Now, if you look at the UVXY today, you will notice two things. One is it started the day at about 19 bucks and it went to 28 Yeah, about a $9 change gain. That means if you owned it this morning, you made nine bucks. But how about if you were shorted? Well, you lost nine bucks. You may think, so what? How could this thing impact the rest of the market? Something so obscure, something so obscure. How is, what, what is Kramer smoking that he's identified this particular piece of paper as why I'm losing money? Well, the answer is, I'll tell you why. Over 110 million shares of this thing traded today. That's incredible. Much higher than it used to be. It, 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 it sure wasn't meant to handle that volume, and it can't. Now, there are many hedge fund managers who thought that there wouldn't be a lot of volatility, so they may have sold call options against this, which is the same as getting short or betting against it, which would have been a fantastic trade for agents when there was no volatility. Just keep taking in that capital. Keep taking in. Not anymore. There's some very big funds that have bet against this thing, and they have to raise cash to stay shorted. They can either end the pain and buy it back or cover their call short so they can just keep wagering by putting more and more of their money. You know how people like to bet more and more? They keep, they get, you know, they've got a losing hand. They put more and more out. Well, a lot of people are doing that, too. And how they do that? Well, they have to sell stocks. They have to sell S&P futures. They don't have the money on hand. Spiller. Collateral. I know it sounds difficult to believe, but managers actually considered this the trade for ages because they simply didn't believe that the VIX would or could spike as fast as it did. They just got caught plain out of position. They thought it was a run. It was a pass. The second instrument, the IPATH S&P 500 VIX short-term futures. This is an exchange-traded note. Trades under the symbol VXX. 
This fund seeks to offer exposure to a daily rolling long position in the first and second months of the VIX future contracts. That's another mouthful. That is just, frankly, another way to bet on the VIX futures going higher. Today, this fund started at $45, and it went to $55. You would have made $10 on this one, but forget about that. If you had borrowed money and bet against it, you would have lost 10 bucks that you didn't have to begin with. That is a huge percentage hit to your capital if you're running a fund. Once again, it sounds like something that really couldn't hurt the entire market. But how about this? Nearly 85 million shares traded hands. That's called impact. The third is a fund. I'm giving you all these. I got to do this. I have no choice. I could just say it's the VIX. And it doesn't work for me. Don't work for you. The third is a fund called the Velocity Shares Daily 2X VIX Short Term ETN or exchange-traded note, which is also known as the TIFX, or TVIX, which gives traders two times the daily return of the S&P 500 VIX short-term futures index. You can't make this stuff up, can you? I mean, really. Can you believe the SEC blessed this junk? <laughs> you think they even knew what it was? <laughs> no. Today, the TIFX started at 9 and went to 13.5. That's a huge gain or a huge loss if you bet against it. Too big for most funds to sustain. So what do they do? They have to sell something to raise capital to pay off their losing wager. So they sold off your stocks. TVIX, who's ever heard of it? How about the fact that it traded 112 million shares today, for heaven's sakes? That is insane. Finally, there's the ETF called the ProShare Short VIX Short-Term Futures. And that ticker is SVXY, which seeks, again, on a daily basis to provide investment results that correspond to the inverse of the performance of the S&P 500 VIX Short-Term Futures Index. This one goes down as the VIX spikes, as it did today. This one started the day at $12.30 and sank to $9.50. Hey, if you owned it, you got annihilated. If you're short it, well, you did well. The people who owned it are the real problem because they lost a huge amount of money, probably borrowed money. And if they did indeed borrow the money, they will have to put up a huge amount of collateral tomorrow. 43 million shares traded hands today. If you were your broker, if I was your broker and you did this, I'd say you put up your money or I'm going to sell you out tomorrow. So maybe, maybe, maybe they sell your stocks out tomorrow. So again, you have to be thinking that anyone who wagered on these and borrowed money to do so has to put up collateral that spills into the marketplace or the market goes down. You could argue that much of the downward pressure today was from various wagers going wrong and the betters having to raise money in the stock market to meet their margin calls. Well, do you really think that the stocks that went down today, anything happened to these? Look, I can just look at the tape while I'm talking here. I mean, you know, nothing happened at most of these companies. If you went to, um, you know, let's say you went to Intel today, you think that anything happened? No, all that happened is they had a stock and it got whacked by this stuff. Now, these funds probably need to raise more money tomorrow when the market opens. They are desperate. They are flailing. And they are crushing those people who own stocks and have done nothing wrong except happen to be in the crossfires of these enfilading fire instruments. There are at least 12 others that are like that I know of. But I've mentioned the ones with the biggest volume and therefore have the most impact. And I'm not hearing anyone else talk about them. So maybe I'm either nuts or I'm real right. Now, we don't know or both. Now, we don't know when all of this tail wagging the dog will end. Sorry, dog lovers. I got two of them, one named NVIDIA. But if you follow the UVXY, the VXX, the TVIX, and the SVXY, and you see the volume dry up on these, in other words, that the volume comes down, that goes much lower, that will mean that their power to overwhelm will diminish. It doesn't mean the stock market will automatically go up when that happens. Hey, maybe interest rates go to 3% of the 10-year that day, and you'll be saying, well, hey, Kramer told me it's all, safe, all clear, all clear. No, but it does mean the coast will be a lot clearer than it is now. 
The bottom line, follow those funds that I just mentioned. Recognize that right now they are the real culprits. And when you see the volume go down, I think you have a better chance to buy stocks, good stocks like NVIDIA and many more at lower prices than they simply should be because of the hedge funds that are going wild, licking their wounds and getting crushed in these VIX bets gone awry. But ooh, when they're done, if you didn't buy anything, you'll pretty upset. Much more man money ahead. After another wild day on Wall Street, I'm opening up the phone lines to hear from you, the voices of America. Maybe you can teach me something. I certainly hope so. This is today's special sell-off strategy session. Then, how this week's volatility could present a new problem for equity investors. And don't let today's drop scare you. There are still stocks that could be worth eyeing. I actually found one that I decided to do. I had to have one stock tonight that I had to say you could buy because I'm not going to get it so negative as everybody else because that's what suckers do. I'll explain how a recent merger could create the perfect package. So stick with Kramer. Now, let's be real. The wild ride is downright nauseating for me, for you. The market is a whole new beast, but it's not a beauty like before. Kind of a volatility nightmare. I'm not calling it a bear market, but you get what I'm talking about. As crazy as it is, I'm going to try to guide you through the self as best as I can, America. Now, I know you got questions, and you know I got your back. So let's get started. Why don't we start with Ryan in South Carolina? Ryan. Kramer, good to hear from you. Thank you. Kramer, I'm a, I'm a new investor. I'm 23 years old. I am wondering, what should I be looking at for the next year, five years, and ten years with understanding that this market is still extremely volatile? Well, you're, gonna, you're a lucky man, and not just because you got youth on your side, which is really kind of pretty admirable. Uh, you can buy things, uh, highest growth things imaginable. NVIDIA was created for you. Regeneron was created for you. The kinds of companies I'm thinking about that have long-term views of greatness that are right now hitting their stride but can get better and better. But you know what? There's other older line companies, too, that I think terrific. J&J is a good stock for you because it's going to build dividends over time, and you reinvest those dividends. So you go up and we talk about it. Let me give you another one I think is absolutely terrific. J.P. Morgan. You can put those away. So you want, I'd say because of your age, half of them to be NVIDIA-like. High VMware, Salesforce.com, Red Hat, the data center place. Those are great for you. Amazon's probably the best of all. Think long term. You got your whole life ahead of you if those stocks don't start going up. Don't buy all at once. This market's too crazy. Let me ask you, since you're a new investor, how did you uh, and why did you get in? Why did you choose stocks when stocks are so bad? Ryan? We're going back to Garrett now? Garrett. Garrett, Jim. Darn live show. A lot of things can happen in a live show, like not knowing what to do. Hey, Garrett, why don't you speak to me? Uh, Garrett from Texas. Garrett. Oh, yeah, Jim. How you doing today? I'm doing okay. I missed the darn Eagles parade. But, you know, we got to do what's yeah. right. How about you? How you doing? Uh, doing well. I'm like a kid in the candy shop right now with uh, some money on the side and stocks coming down. Okay. Um, so I've got two questions for you, both having to do with healthcare and uh, biopharmaceuticals. First one's uh, we all know Bezos, Buffett, and Diamond are getting together for a healthcare company. And uh, when Amazon bought Whole Foods, the rest of the grocery stores absolutely tanked. Right. I was curious if there was any healthcare stocks that may not be affected by this new healthcare company that were wrongfully sold off. I originally was thinking AbbVie. What are your thoughts? 
Okay, AbbVie did have the best quarter of any drug stock. It's getting hit because it is a stock, so therefore it's going down. But I like your, I think your selection's excellent, and it would be the one I would have given you. Uh, by the way, just so we know, this is not this consortium they're putting together, J.P. Morgan getting together with Berkshire Hathaway, getting together with Bezos, is about lowering the cost of their own health care for their companies, which would then raise their company's gross margins, which would then allow them to take all the good people from everywhere else. It's a brilliant move, and I've got to tell you, it makes me want to own all three Free stocks. So I'm recommending Berkshire right now, okay? I'm recommending JP Morgan right now, and I'm recommending Amazon to you, Garrett. Those are the way to go. Let's go to Carolyn in Florida. Carolyn. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Of I course. watch you in the morning and night and love you. Thank and yay for the Eagles. Thank you I very have much. Two questions. Yeah. Oftentimes, there's a change of leadership when the market has a correction. True. If Fang stocks were leading into the correction, who do you think will be the leader coming out? You know, I was talking to my friend Bob Lang. We just did a very good off the charts about Fang. Carolyn, let me ask you a question. What's your time frame? When do you need to know where the new leadership is and what do you want to do? Do you want to buy into the sell off? I need to have a little sense about your suitability for this situation. Uh, yeah, I want to buy into the uh, correction. Then you're going to buy into the leadership. Then you're going to buy Fang, and the reason why you're going to buy Fang I is because those are classic, what we call long dated assets. I know Wall Street gobbledygook. I hate to fall prey to it, but but I uh, talked a game when I was at Goldman. And what matters is you have to buy stocks that have a long term vision, with a CEO who has a great vision that are not necessarily susceptible to the economy. And yes, that's Facebook. That is Amazon. That is Netflix. I am not going to recommend Google here. I would rather see you be in Adobe. Hey, fan, stick crazy. We all recognize that since the great volatility nightmare kicked into gear with the Pats crash on Monday, things aren't the same. But we can't quantify what's changed other than that if you blink, you might miss what just happened in the stock market. However, it began to dawn on me last week that we are in a bitter adjustment period where we're all trying to figure out how much of a recent decline in stocks was based on real earnings, how much was pegged to the bond market and thus due to be rolled back, and how much is this kind of craziness that I'm talking about with the VIX. You see, we did an interview yesterday with the CEO of a rapidly growing private pizza company in the late afternoon, starting at 3.48 p.m. Right before I started my first question, I looked at the averages. The Dow was up about 240 points. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, we survived another one, but good. When the interview ended at 4.05, I go back to my quote screen, Dow's down 19. And almost every stock that was up at 3.48 is now down, some down hard. Now, my initial reaction was that we could have said the same thing, but different direction at 3.48 the day before. Every stock that was down a little or unchanged closed up and up big. That's how crazy things have gotten. Today's 1,000-point decline just clinched my thinking. As I indicated earlier, the chief culprit behind today's slacking was clearly the pernicious VIX derivatives. But there's another reason why we keep swinging so wildly. It's because we're trying to answer an important question about what got us to this volatile period to begin with. Did stocks get so high because business was good? Or was this all about a correlation to the bond market that's now turned against us because the central banks aren't going to print money anymore, the Fed's not buying, and 
business is better, so rates are going higher. Because if it's all about earnings, you can feel a lot more comfortable buying high-quality stocks on the way down, knowing that the VIX madness has to end. But if it's about the bond market, then unfortunately, with or without the collateral damage the VIX trades are causing, we're going to experience a substantial decline every time the 10-year Treasury ticks a little bit higher, at least until we've taken stocks so low that they seem undervalued versus bonds and are therefore somewhat immunized against any further jump in rates. In other words, if the bond market is in the driver's seat, trying to pick individual winners is even more of a waste of time than I indicated at the top of the show. Now, I'm not saying that's definitely the case, but the very possibility that bonds are totally in control creates a real sense, I don't know about you, but of helplessness. If you believe bonds are the only thing that matters, then buying stocks on a dip is suicidal. Even if the VIX trade disappears tomorrow morning, your stocks can get hit again simply because the yield in the tenure has now jumped <laughs> when I started trading. <laughs> If 30 it was at 16. But, you know, 10 jumped to 2.9. And then when it jumps further to 3%, well, you'll want to throw yourself out of a building. And we're not going to let that happen, are we? So you get the picture, though. But that's just one theory. Let's say it's the earnings that were driving the rally. Then I could argue stocks as an asset class aren't that overvalued. So you can buy the weakness, especially because the whole market has already become a heck of a lot cheaper in the last few days. Here's the problem. We don't know if it's the bonds or if it's the earnings. We really don't. In fact, we can't know right now because of the horrible inverse volatility instruments that I keep mentioning. They almost make it impossible to discern what's really going on, don't they? They're like the fog of war. Uh, Look at it like this. We know we're taking enemy fire, but we don't know where it's coming from until the VIX-related smoke clears. So let's use a real-life example. Say you're watching the stock of Texas Instruments, and I like Texas Instruments. Let me get a quote here. Texas Instruments, terrific, terrific company. They make a lot of uh, chips that go into uh, Internet of Things, autos, okay? So it was at 120 not that long ago. It fell to 104 yesterday and then dropped to uh, 97 here today. Now, you might think that that looks like a viable pullback, right? I mean, this is a terrific stock. If you put it in a market order yesterday at 343, you got the stock at 104. But then Texas Instruments stock was brought down by the volatility unwind, no doubt, another VIX derivative debacle like the VIX, like the VIX, uh, like that XIV thing had stopped. And you were down three bucks just 17 minutes later before getting clocked for another four points and change today. So much for that dip. Dip buying's always been working, but not now. Now, we can sit here and say, well, that was because yesterday's 10-year auction went badly, and that I did get the ball rolling. Or we can admit that today, at least, it was because a bunch of hedge funds blew up thanks to their idiotic bets against the volatility index, putting pressure on the whole market as they had to raise cash by selling the S&P 500, of which Texas Instruments is most definitively a member. Did anything happen at Texas Instruments today to merit the stock being down for? Of course not. I don't want you to be confused. Many of you are. As this volatility instrument crisis deepens and continues distorting prices, though, uh, until they're wiped out, I think many investors will come to the conclusion, and this is tough for me to say because I know we just got a lot of people to uh, realize how great stocks are, but my conclusion is that most people who just came in in the last three or four months simply don't want to be involved in an asset class where you can lose so much money so fast. 1,000 Dow points here, 1,000 Dow points there. Pretty soon we're talking about real money. Thank you, Senator Dirksen. And that's what's freaking people out. We're now in a place where we visited a couple of times before where you can't trust the prices. It's like a flash crash every day. Remember when I was out there, the flash crash? I said, go buy that Procter & Gamble. It's not real. Well, a lot of prices don't seem to be real intraday, but they don't bounce now. 
People don't care if it's because of bonds or VIX blowups, do they? They just know that the market isn't working right, or if it is working, it's working against us. It doesn't matter if the price earnings multiple is high, like for fantastic stocks like VMware, Adobe, Workday, Salesforce, or low, like for Micron, which is now the cheapest stock in the S&P 500 on forward earnings, or GM. If you buy and you're down big the moment you get the report, you aren't going to put another dime into this market because it's not trustworthy. When the market's not trustworthy, well, after a while, no one buys. They sell. And they keep selling until prices stabilize and or mean something pertinent to the value of the enterprise underneath. Right now, you may think, hey, we got so high that it was not pertinent and it's down low enough that it is, but we don't know. From the looks of things, we're still stuck in the vortex that produces a bargain at 3.43 p.m. yesterday and then turns into a terrible mistake 17 points later and then hideous losses further. That's quicksand. And you can't stand your ground on quicksand. So people will step aside until the ground hardens no matter what the price, even if stocks are cheap, even if interest rates, heaven forbid, actually go down, not up. Can you imagine that? Anything can happen. What can I say? That's the situation we're in. And until the big volatility bets unwind, and I gave you what you, the symbols so you can monitor them themselves, you want to see the volume go down, we're going to be stuck in kind of like a no-man's land. I can't make it better, but at least I can explain what's happening so you don't drive yourself crazy wondering what the heck is going on. Hey, I'm not going anywhere tonight. Hey, you should either. We're going to get through this together. After Mad Money tonight, stay with us for a CNBC special report with my friends Tyler Matheson, Michelle Caruso-Cabrera, and... Well, of course, me. A down 1,000-point lightning round is coming up next. And can you believe I missed that Eagles parade for this? I did the right thing. I think. Stick with Craig. Yes, even on a day like today, especially on a day like today, it is time. It is time for the lightning round. Craig Munch, my Raffer, goes one in the city. It's time for the bottom. Play the sound. And then the lighting round is over. Are you ready? Skate, daddy. Time for the lighting round. Crazy about to start with Frank in New York. Frank. Booyah, Jim, from Syracuse, New York, by way of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Good map there. Try some ways. I'll take ways. What's up? What about AWK? What are your thoughts? Nice. Uh, Voorhees. I know that company. I've been to that town. Uh, here's my take. Not bad. Not great. Not bad. I, I kind of edgeless right now, but it's been historically a good stock. Nah, no real edge there. Let's go to Ace in Georgia. Ace. Hey, a great Twitter snap. Booyah. Yeah, done. What about, yes, what about SL Alpha Bravo? Silk Online. Ace is not, that's not the place, Ace. I think you can go out and buy an Intel on a day like today or buy NVIDIA if it's down tomorrow. Jim in Missouri. Jim. Wow, Hi, Jim, that's a short one. Jim from Warrensburg, Missouri. Thank you for all you do. Uh, when Switch first IPO'd, you said uh, to wait before buying. Well, yeah, here we are. Here we are. We're admittedly there. But now at the same time, we got so many fabulous stocks that are down so much. I'd rather have you think long-term by VMware, for heaven's sake. E- Let's go to Enos. Enos in New York. Enos. Enos. Hi, Jim. It's uh, Ennis. Ennis, okay. Uh, just a... Uh, Quick, uh, quick question here. In December, you recommended, mid-December, you recommended Hess uh, to buy, which I actually did. Mid-January, uh, I made like you know 15 to 20% right, right. on it. Mid-January, started to go down. What do you recommend now? I don't like the oil I stocks. Sell, uh, uh, there's so many. Uh, you know what? 
I want to take a look at some of the master limited partnerships. Anyone that yields more than five and a half but less than eight is one I want you to call back on because those are probably good. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Look, I know how easy it is to freak out about how the market keeps getting beaten to a pulp. But as I've learned over nearly four decades in this business, panic, not a strategy. When everyone else is going crazy, you need to remain a little calm, a little collected. And there is always a bull market somewhere. Right now, it's what we call a bull market in some special situation stocks. And that's why tonight I want to take a nice deep breath. Hey, meditation always worked for me. (laughs) And the fundamentals, uh, well, let's just say I got one. I got a stock I would buy. The market may soon may be still deeply unsettled, but there are good things happening in the economy. Sooner or later, that's going to matter, even if they won't generate the same amount of euphoria as they might have a few weeks ago. So while the market's been behaving like a ball of yarn in the paws of a very hyperactive kitten, what have we missed? How about this? Last week, we got the first major acquisition in 2018 when a company you never heard of called Westrock, a maker of packaging products, bought another company you never heard of unless you watch the show called Capstone. It's a competitor. billion. Now, it didn't even raise to the Faber level, but I got to talk about it because I like it. This is an important deal, and I think it's worth considering the implications for both Westrock and the broader industry because when investors start to care about individual companies again, which they will, this group is probably going to come to the fore because right now I think the paper stocks are hot, well, until this, and I believe this one will be a Musk-like rocket when that happens. Background. Starters, why the heck do we even care about paper and packaging? I mean, isn't the sky falling? I mean, shouldn't we be, like, shaking? How can you talk about corrugated cardboard, which my dad used to sell for a living, when the Western financial world's in danger? I can hear some people saying, look at Kramer rearranging the, the deck chairs on the Titanic, or even, like, maybe the Lusitania, if you get that way. But at some point, the forced selling will be over, and then you'll want something on your shopping list as poised to rebound. I think West, West Rock belongs on that list. Here's a paper and packaging powerhouse that's the number one or number two player in all sorts of consumer and corrugated patch, packaging markets, like the stuff that you uh, get when you uh, order from Amazon. What makes me like it, other than the fact that paper companies are exactly the kind of cyclical plays that you're supposed to own at this point in a worldwide economic expansion? And if you don't believe me, go back to real money, which I did. It's my basic. This is where you are. The capstone deal is expected to be immediately additive to the company's earnings. Hey, you know what? We're going to care about earnings sometime. Westrock's forecasting $200 million in cost synergies and performance improvements. Do the cost cuts matter anymore? Call me crazy. They do. Even better, because paper is still mostly a commodity and is therefore precisely in the sweet spot of what works during a major global economic expansion at this date. The deal gives Westrock more scale in an industry where scale matters. Most importantly, by purchasing Capstone, Westrock takes out a competitor. This is good not just for them, but for the entire industry. Nothing is more harmful or ruinous to profits than competition. Anything that removes a competitor from the equation helps make it easier for the remaining players to avoid getting into vicious price wars with each other. You may call that a kind of collusion. I regard it as friendly cooperation. Listen, I don't make the rules of late-stage capitalism. I'm just here to help you find ways to profit from them legally. In short, the Capstone acquisition is objectively a fantastic thing for Westrock. The story's better than it was a week and a half ago, yet Westrock's stock's been dragged down with the rest of the market. That's why I'm talking about it. 
This thing was trading at 70 before the announcement. Now it's at 61, even though it's so much better. We know WestRock's doing well because they reported a strong quarter the same day they told us about the deal. So I feel blessed. Stocks selling for less than 14 times next year's earnings estimates. And hey, if that doesn't sound cheap enough for you, then go with international paper, which is the other play for the box that comes to your doorstep. This is an Amazon derivative, people, and it's a lot cheaper than Amazon. West looks good. WestRock's good. What's good for them is good for IP. Here's the bottom line. I know I should be tearing out what's left in my hair and weeping at the state of the stock market. That's not what I do. How is it going to do you any good? The truth is the world hasn't stopped just because the stock market's getting slammed because a couple of funds and because interest rates have ticked up ever so slightly. Life goes on. And all this chaos may be causing you to miss out on an opportunity in the packaging space, the sector that's always been the place to be at this stage of the economic expansion. And that was before Amazon. WestRock makes sense on the capstone deal, as does the longtime friend of the show, International Paper. Just be careful to scale into them slowly. If you want to buy 100 shares, buy 25 and then wait three or four points. But you will have the wind at your back the moment this violent volatility spell is over. And I don't want you to have bought nothing into the downturn. I am not going anywhere. You shouldn't either. We will get through this together. Haven't we always 13 years worth? After Mad Money tonight, stay with us for CNBC Special Report. My friends Tyler Matheson, Michelle Cusa Cabrera, and yours truly. We're going to figure this out. We'll puzzle it over, and we'll make it so that we're all smarter. Stay with Kramer. Remember to stay with us on the Special Report with Tyler Matheson and Michelle Cusa Cabrera. Uh, but uh, let me just mention something. In the time I have left, this whole thing could end in a day or two if we really wipe out these people. And you'll say, well, why didn't I buy anything? I want you to just listen to me on this NVIDIA, which you know is my, one of my favorite stocks. They did unbelievable numbers. Gross margins were great. I have to look at this because I have, I have done the work, but I don't. I need more. Uh, the gaming segment rose 29%. Data center was up 105%, trouncing the consensus. Crypto mining, yes, if you like that Bitcoin stuff, it was big for them. Uh, they are raised, they're promising to return up 1.25 billion to shareholders, even though it's one of the greatest growth stocks of all time. Jensen Wong delivered and delivered and delivered some more. Yes, this quarter from NVIDIA was the single best quarter for 2018, and it happened in this madness. I think this stock would be up 50 points on this quarter, and it won't be. Just a reminder, NVIDIA, Amazon, Facebook, these stocks are coming down. They're getting interesting. Yes, Apple's coming down. You can say, well, hold it. Weren't they interesting already? I'm talking about madness and profiting from it. Like I said, there's always a bull market summer. Promise I'd find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.